keys to the kingdom. Today we'll be on topic or episode or the fourth part of this series, number four. And today's entitled is, Where is the Kingdom? You know, and as we begin to, as some of you may even begin to try to imagine, you know, well, where is this topic going here today? Well, before we even go there, I want to make sure that we address the very thing that we've been talking about the entirety of this time. You know, so, you know, we're coming, you know, and our key scripture is found in Isaiah 33 and verse 6. You know, it said, and in that day he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation. So if, when we begin to replace or think of that word store, it is also translated as a storehouse. Well, what is a storehouse? A storehouse is where you store something. It's where you place something in that's not being used or it's a store of something that you're looking for. So he said, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. You know, see, God has so much in his storehouse that he wants to bestow upon us, but we're never, ever going to get it because it's behind locked doors. And, and to be able to retrieve those things or be able to accept those things, we must use a key, and these are the keys to the kingdom that's going to provide this salvation, which salvation just simply means this, deliverance. Means deliverance, wisdom, and it's knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. So oftentimes the surplus of goods or valuables of the very things that we need in life are stored behind a locked door just like we spoke and that door must be open or accessed with the key. As we spend some time walking through the foundational or as we have already spent some time walking through these foundational teachings and a foundation is what? It's what we build our what on? our house on, what we build our life on, what we build our relationship with Christ on is based off of these foundational teachings that we spoke about, which was repentance, faith towards God, baptism, laying on of hands, and then last week we spoke about resurrection of the dead and eternal judgments. And, and these are the keys. These are the foundational parts of, of beginning. This is what you're going to place these keys on is a key ring. And this is your key ring. It was the basis of the rest of, 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 uh, of this series. So, so, you know, and that's why I wanted to make it important that I gave you notes because I'm considering this series more of a teaching than a preaching. So... So, um, you know, so, so, so just to kind of get back to that thought in process, what does a key do? What does a key do? A key is something that we associate power, authority, foundational, primary, fundamental, and priority. A key is something we use to unlock doors, a next level, and fulfilling a purpose-driven life. 
So we've got to have these keys in our life. You know, these, these things are just so important. I spoke with a young man earlier this week and, and, he, and he said, brother, he said, these are teachings that the church isn't preaching on, that they're not teaching on. He said, this is the basis of every Christian's life. This is the basis for every Christian to begin to walk in maturity of God. So today's lesson, today's topic, today's sermon, devotion, however you may want to view that. Let me go ahead and start my timer. I will say I will not be as long as I was last week. Uh, and that's... And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I, you know, I preach however, you know, the Lord gives me utterance. So this week, yeah, our, one of our main scriptures coming out of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. And I'm assuming I did not create a slide for that, so that's fine if I don't. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, and it reads like this. It said, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say it is here or it is over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Uh, for most of us, we know that, 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 you know, for most of us, you know, that, that may, uh, may believe that the kingdom would be established here on earth. But most of them consider that, that, that that's exactly what was going to take place, was that, the, that Jesus was going to come and that he was going to be a king and that he was going to reign here on earth and that they were going to overthrow the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire were their oppressors. If we begin to look at it, that, that the, the Roman Empire conquered so much land and they began to force their will upon people. So, so as the children of Israel or the Jews, if we can say it that way, they felt the oppression. They felt the oppression of, of being bombarded and you had to do this and you had to do that. You got to pay taxes. You got to, there's just all these things that you got to do. So they were looking for someone that would come and deliver them from this oppression. You know, so, so where I want to go here with that today, because, you know, Jesus said that the kingdom of God was among you already. You know, so here we are, the, the very words that Jesus has spoken is the very same words that we have for us today, that the kingdom of God is at hand. We've all heard that saying or in some translations that the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, it's right here, it's, it's dwelling amongst us. You know, so, so they were looking for a kingdom that was physical, but yet Jesus wanted to establish his kingdom elsewhere. But yet he said that you can't say that it's here, nor can you say that it's there, but the kingdom of God is among you. But if we could say it through some translations, it says that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So today's text is going to be coming out of... of uh, 
I guess I let that part just slide out too. Please forgive me. I think I got some of it as I'm scrolling through. But Matthew chapter 15, and, and some of it's in there and some of it's not. That, that is not the one we're going to be yet. yet. So you can go back to the other one, baby. Yeah, let's just leave it right there for right now. Uh, I left that part out, but I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to listen very closely to what's being said here. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9 is what we're going to read first. And it said, And some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Verse 5, But you say it is alright for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say that you don't need to honor their parents, and so you can cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. You hypocrites, Isaiah had rightly prophesied about you when he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is false, for they, the, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments for God. So I kind of want to explain here just a minute in, in, in what Jesus was already beginning to, uh, if we could say he was just really, really beginning to give it to them, if we can say it that way. You know, and they approached Jesus and they were like, hey, you know what, man, why, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? So now let's just begin to think about that. How many times have we sat down at a table and then somebody asks you, did you wash your hands? See, because the, our very first thought about that is that it's dirtiness, that it's filth. So I could begin to understand where the Pharisees were coming with on that. You see, but Jesus always had something in mind. Jesus was always trying to teach a lesson. But oftentimes they didn't incline their ears to hear what he had to say. As, as we at points in our life have been that very same way. Is that people have tried to give us good counsel. But because we didn't view it in the same aspect that they did. We didn't like the advice that they were given, or we just really just simply didn't agree with them. So, so the so what they had here was what they called an age-old what tradition, an age-old tradition, but it was never a commandment, right? So it just became a ritual to wash your hands before you ate. You, and, and you'll begin to see this thinking process, this type of of mindset continue all the way throughout because even the disciples at towards the end will begin to 
chime in in such a way that, 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 that they're going to view it in a physical aspect as well. And then, you know, so they asked the question, but Jesus responded, how? He said, you know, you're worried about an age-old tradition, but how about the commandments of God, of honoring your father and your mother? So here's the reality of what's being spoken here, is that they had came up, they had came up with their man-made teaching to be able to supersede God's commandment. Does anybody know what supersede means? Bypass. Bypass it, overrule it, or that this is more important. So if we let, let me give you a, a small example of supersede. We've all have heard of uh, uh, Sir, I, and Sir, Sir Isaac Newton's law of gravity, right? What goes up must come down. We've all heard that one, right? But see, now we also have a law of lift. Now the law of lift says that when I have a, 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 tra a, tra a, a trajectory, and then you, when you add the thrust to that, then that lift law supersedes the law of gravity. As long as you're in that forward motion, then gravity has no effect on you. So what they were doing with the, the tradition that they had came up with was they were trying to supersede God's commandment of honoring your father and the mother. And the, the, the commandment that's spoken here that, that came down from Moses, from the law of Moses, was that, hey, when your parents die, you got to take care of them until they, you know, if one parent dies, so let me rephrase that. So if one parent dies, you've got to take care of the other parent until they die you know so so the religious lawmakers came up with a law that said this you can pay such and such money and you can supersede this law because now you've given it to god instead of giving it to your parents so that they thought that it sounded good so the reality of what happened here was jesus was beginning to ridicule them because of their man-made law their man-made teaching so so jesus he was very swiftly beginning to get to a point in the reference of 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 this ceremonial thing that 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 they wanted to ridicule the um the disciples about And then Jesus kind of, he, 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 he spoke about, you know, that Isaiah rightly prophesied about you. You know, what was the prophecy, you know, that, that Isaiah had spoke? He said, you know, that you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know, we've all been guilty of that, if we could say. But if we look at, if we begin to look at the, the Greek word for honor, it means to show respect, to give recognition, often implied, implying that actions to show that honor. So it was so much more than just a spoken word, but it was actions behind the word. You know, uh, you know, like love. Love is not a, a, a word that you just speak. So we've spoken about the word of agape, and it's an unconditional love. It's a love that has actions with it. So, so when we tell our, our significant other or our spouse, 
I love you, well, then it's backed up with actions. Is that not correct? So, so that was the very same thing that, that Jesus was beginning to speak about here. Uh, next, we have, we have the word heart, which is not translated as an organ, but the inner self. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart. So the very thing that God has placed with inside of you is what's so far away from me. Because you're following the, the, the teachings of man and you're not having the heart of God. You're not following the spirit of God, that which, was, which is within inside of you. So when we look at the word worship, worship is your, their worship is a farce. Well, what in the world is a farce? Worship, worship is translated as to be devout, to be God-fearing. Moses did not, uh, did Moses not speak to the children of Israel about the fear of the Lord? And again, I don't want to get too much into the fear of the Lord because that'll be a, a later part of this series. But let's look at Exodus 20 and 20. Exodus 2020. So if you want a 2020 vision, here's you a 2020 vision is Exodus 2020. And here's what Moses said to the children of Israel. This, now, this was the time when, when God had told them to clean their self and clean their clothes. And on the third day, he was going to visit them. And here's what happened was was God showed up in in his majesty. He began to show up in his glory. And the children of Israel didn't like it, you know, and this is exactly where, where this is going right here. So here's what Moses said to him. He said, don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. So what, differenti what differentiates the difference between afraid and fear? They were afraid, but they didn't fear God because the test was what? The test is that that his fear is in you so that you may not sin. You see, when we got somebody that wants to practice sinning, then they really don't fear the Lord. They, they fear a man or they fear a being caught uh, or being caught in the act of their sin. A, a person that fears God is, is not going to sin. They're not going to willfully sin. And, and that makes the difference between being afraid and walking in the fear of God. So, so, so the test for them was to see if they had reverential fear, a reverence to not sin. As we, as we move on down to Matthew chapter 15, because now uh, chapter 15 verses 10 through 20, and I think we have that slide. And again, I do apologize for, for you know, y'all sitting here and then those that may be viewing us online, but those that are listening to me via podcast, you had no idea that I did not have that on the screen because I just simply read it to you. Excuse me. But just to think back, you know, just thinking back about the, the ritual that was being spoken about here of washing, of not washing their hands when they go to eat. So I want this to be a reminder from now on for you because it becomes what? We're also used to washing our hands before we eat or even washing our hands after we may use the restroom or after we begin to uh, be in public and, and touching certain things. But in verse 10, in verse 10 of chapter 15, it says this. You can read along with me on the screen. 
Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes in the man's mouth or in your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you had said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father, Lord Father, will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if a blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Verse 15, Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And then here's what Jesus had to say. He said, don't you understand yet? Don't, don't you understand? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. We'll use our imagination on that, correct? He said, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. And so here again, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and even all the way down to the point that the disciples begin to view this from a physical perspective. But yet what Jesus really wanted to do was he wanted to get to the heart of things. He wanted to talk about the kingdom that is within us. And, and that is his spirit dwelling within inside of us. So what was more important about defiling your body? Because eventually what's going to happen to our bodies, as we talked about last week, is the resurrection of the dead. One day, we're all going to breathe our last breath. We're going to eat our last meal. And that's not what's important. Because that's just destined. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to take place. The important part is what happens afterwards. You see, Jesus was always trying to get to the heart of the issue. But, some, but sometimes we, we've heard this saying, you can't see the forest from the trees. You're trying to look at something when, when something else is blocking your view. And, and, and Jesus was trying to get to the heart of things. And what Jesus is wanting to do and speak to us here this morning if I could just have your attention, you can, read, you can read your notes later on your own time. If I could just have your attention for just a moment, for, for just a few more moments, is that, is that Jesus wanted to get to the heart of things. He wanted to talk about the things that's more important than about what you're eating. That it's more important than what you got going on the side. You see, again, we're going back to this very thing that these are the keys to the kingdom. This is the heart of the matter. This is where God wants to get to. But we got to quit looking at the trees. And we got to see the bigger picture. And we're going to get into a series uh, a little later uh, at the Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to talk about a series called The Bigger Picture. And, and just like that one, I'm stoked for that one in the same reference that I've been stoked about uh, this teaching as well. And, 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 and so, so, so Jesus, uh, excuse my stuttering on that. I just get a little tongue tied sometimes, but Jesus wanted to teach. He wanted to teach a lesson here. He wanted to teach a lesson. 
but he had to have their attention. Did we not see what Peter said? He said, he said, can't you explain this to me already? You know, I, 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 I want to kind of skip the portion where, where Jesus began to, to talk about the plants that was not planted. You know, every plant that my father has not planted is not part of the kingdom. And I kind of want to skip that part because if we really look at it, Jesus was, he was beginning to drive home a message he was beginning to get to the heart of the issue but yet the, you know peter wanted to make the 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 the, the question of the statement hey man you really offended them by what you just said and jesus is like i'm not done teaching let me continue on here so so exactly what i want to do in that same reference is i want to continue in the heart of what god is speaking about here about the simplicity of the heart you know and what defiles our spirit man so if we begin to look at it, he said, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles the body, but that, that which comes out. So, and he said, it's the evil thoughts. It is, it is the evil thoughts. Um, and so, so verse 19, he said, he said it right here. So he said, from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual morality, theft, lying, and slander. But let's just stop for a minute. Let's just stop for, for just a moment. How can theft be in your heart? How can that come out? How can sexual immorality come out? How can lying come out? How can slander come out? Because it becomes what, what was the very first thing that Jesus addressed here? He said evil thoughts. It's the thought process. It's the thinking process that began to produce the other things that would defile them. The, the, the thought things, the things that you're thinking end up becoming the actions of how we move about our life. So in Luke chapter 6, I, I, I want to I get to this. Luke chapter 6 verses 43 and 45. It says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Let's translate that. Because we're looking at rotten fruit and things of that nature. Can an orange tree produce a poisonous fruit? Because there are certain fruits and things that, that are poisonous, that you, like berries. There are certain berries that's poisonous. And here's the reference of where Jesus was going. He said a tree is identified by its fruit. We ever walked by an orange tree and saw an apple sitting on there? Why not? Because it just don't happen that way. God didn't create it that way. You see, and the tree doesn't have a choice. So in the same aspect, God is telling us here that, hey, when we're a part of Him, when we are a part of the vine, then we produce the very same thing that is the vine. If it's a grapevine, then we produce grapes. So he says, he said, figs are never gathered among thorn bushes and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. You know, so let's just say it this way because some of us have heard it in this translation. For the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks 
So that's the reality, what's inside of us. So some people say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. If you didn't mean to say it, then you would have never said it because it's what's inside of you. So we get, we get back to this fiery furnace that we've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about baptism of fire and that, that, that when we begin to be consumed by that fire, when that fire has, has liquefied us and, and caused those very things that are not of God to rise to the surface and then and only then can they be removed. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I didn't mean to say that. Like I said, if you didn't mean to say it, then you would have never said it. If it was not inside of you, you would not have said it. So here's your opportunity. Lord, search me, O oh Lord. See if there be any wicked thing in me. Remove these things from me that has caused me to be impure. You see, God is wanting to mature us. But people, we, we all have to be taught these very same things that God wants to do something in us. But God can only work with what we surrender, right? If a man brings you, if you're building something outside, I like to build stuff. So if, if, if I get some lumber and I'm trying to, if I've got the nails, the wood, but I'm missing a hammer, what am I going to get to build? I'm not going to get to build anything. All the parts, all these keys have got to be here for us to get into the Isaiah 33 and 6. To get into the storehouse of salvation. Salvation was what? What did I say that salvation means? Salvation means deliverance. To be delivered. Yeah, because even Paul, he said, work out your own salvation with what? With fear and trembling. Again, this is being placed in a reverential place with God that, that you fear God in all that you do. We, uh, we just read that in Exodus 20, 20, that God wasn't looking for them to be afraid. He was looking for them to have the fear of the Lord, which is a reverential fear. It's an, an awestruck fear. So, so that's the, so that's what we're talking about here. So even though you know we've gone verse by verse, you know, and I think I've mentioned this, you know, I want I wanted to skip a few verses for that reason, and and, and I'm gonna skip some of my notes, you know, and you know, and the very first thing, yeah, I want to get back to this very first thing that Jesus spoke about. I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself or behind myself, but Jesus talked about the evil thoughts, right? the evil thoughts. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 6. And I'll be reading this out of the TPT or the Passion Translation. Because I really I read through a couple translations, but I really like the way that this translation produced what God's heart in the reference to this. And that's exactly what TPT means. It's the Passion Translation. There's a passion to what's being spoken here. So let's read it together in verse 3. It says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign uh, employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims or goals. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. You see, we spend too much time thinking that we're fighting against people where we're because we may get in an argument with them or our kids don't want to act right or somebody driving down the road wants to act like they're crazy. But the reality is, is that that's not what we're fighting against. 
it may manifest itself in such a way. We go back and we look at when, 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 when the disciples uh, left the feeding of the 5,000 and where Jesus put them in the boat to go back over to the other side while Jesus went to go pray and while they were rowing, what happened? A storm had came up. You see, and it said the winds begin to blow. The winds begin to blow. But the manifestation happened in what? Through the waves. The things that were around them. The things that were around them. See, what, what caused the things to happen to around them was something that they can't see. How many of us has ever seen the wind? We've seen manifestations of the wind, but we've never seen the wind. So we're spending too much time trying to fight something that we can't see. But the reality here is, here's what Paul is telling us, is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So I want to continue to read this in this Passion Translation because we're all familiar with the way that I just quoted that scripture based out of the New King James Version or the King James Version. But, but verse number five right here says, For we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break every arrogant attitude that rises up the defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and instant that is that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are called with such uh, dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. So how do we begin to bring these thoughts into captivity? By obeying the word of God by obeying the Word of God. That's why the Word of God must be present in your life. That's why you must be a student of the God's Word. You know, he, again, I want to make this, uh, this expression here again, that God never called us to be readers of the Word. He called us to be what? Students of the Word. And a student is someone who studies, someone who devotes their time to learn a revelation from God. And that's what God has called each and every one of us to do. I had a young man ask me this week. He said, Mr. James, he said, he said, I always grew up reading the King James Version, or that's what I've always heard preached. He said, but I got a problem. He said, I don't understand it. It doesn't make no sense to me. I said, well, then why are you reading that translation? Because that's all I know. That's all I've ever been taught. I said, well, why don't you venture out and get you another translation that you can understand? That's why I preach or I teach from different translations because I wanted to do what? As we just saw on that, because we heard the quote that, 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 you know, that God is mining through the pulling down of strongholds. Well, we understand that in a reference, but the way that the, the translation of the Passion Translation began to break that down and begin to simplify that for our, our finite minds to begin to try to comprehend in such a way because we, 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 it, these things are exalting themselves against God. I want to get back to that point versus a translation. These things in our life are, are, are exposing themselves against the knowledge of God, of who God says that He is. You know, when God says that I'm more than a conqueror, then what am I? I'm more than a conqueror. He didn't just say you're a conqueror. He said you're more than a conqueror. 
So we got to have that thought process. We got to have that. We got to have that made up mind that God, what your word says is because scripture says that God's word is a sure word of prophecy. Heaven and earth will pass away before my word does. He said that I esteem my word above my name. So what does that mean? It's more important that my character is established in your life than who my name really is. See, we've given God a name, but his name was what? I am that I am. I am that I am just simply says my character will be what it needs to be in your life. My character will be what it needs to be in your life. It's not about the name of Yahweh or Elohim or Adonai. It was I am that I am because Moses said, who should I say has sent me? Tell him I am that I am has sent you. I don't think Moses had any other questions outside of that because it became so relevant to God, I don't even know you, but when you tell me that you're going to be the character that we need you to be, enough said. Enough said about that. So Satan will attack us with thoughts, thoughts that are contrary to the will of God. The Bible calls them strongholds, as we just talked about. So they are thoughts that manifest themselves against the word and the knowledge of God. Uh, I grew up hearing this saying right here, and maybe some of us can relate to it. Uh, maybe not the younger crowd so much, but we've all heard the saying, you can't stop a bird from flying, right? But you can stop him from building a nest on your head. The choice is up to you. You're not going to stop him from flying. Satan's going to do what he's going to do. But does, that does not mean that he makes his nest in your heart. Because, because Jesus simply said that these are the things that defile you. These are the things that defile you. What does defile me? Makes you unclean. It's a separating because Jesus he said, come out amongst the world. To be separated from the world. To be separated is to be away from those things that are defiling. Those things that cause us to be unclean here. So I, I want to put another emphasis here uh, when, when we begin to, 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 to talk about these. So if these evil thoughts take root, then they will manifest with actions. That's why Jesus mentioned evil thoughts first, because he's talking about the very thing that would cost them, excuse me, and then how they were going to manifest. So I want to be clear with this. Sin does not happen when the action takes place. Sin doesn't happen when the action takes place. It takes place when we harvest the evil thought. When we begin to harvest the very thing that Satan has tried to plant in us, well then what happened? That seed begins to take root. It begins to take root. That's why it's so, so, so important to prophesy God's word over your life over your kids, over your situation, over everything that's around you because what? Everything is subject to the name of Jesus Christ. Everything must go through the cross. Did we not remember the story about Job? It said that the devil was walking around to and fro looking for someone to devour. And did God not say, have you not considered my servant Job? What does that tell us? 
devil can't just do anything that he wants to do. He is still subject. Do we not remember reading in Matthew chapter 4 of how Jesus reminded Satan that you shall serve the Lord only your God. He reminded Satan that God is still his God, that he will still bow a knee to him. Satan is still subject to God's word. I want to get this in your head, is that Satan is not an equal to God because we're too busy looking at good versus evil. But the reality is, is that God, <laughs> He is so much more higher than Satan. He's so much more higher than Satan. Satan has no authority unless authority and power has been given to them. So he's been given dominion over the earth. But we have been given dominion and power through God's name, through His Son's name, the name above every name, the name in which that every knee shall bow, the very name that on the very last song that we sung here today, His name is what? His name is Jesus. It's Counselor, Wonderful, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. Again, we're, we're, we're beginning to see that I am that I am. Did we not see that uh, I don't want to get too far in this because this is probably part of next week's. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. I am the alpha. I am the omega. Don't we see the I am continuously? I am. I am. I am. I will be what I need to be. I will be what I'm supposed to be. I will be the character that I promised you that I would be. So what's, what takes precedent over our life? What Satan is feeding us or what God's Word has already established? So what are we allowing to defile our heart? What are we allowing to defile the kingdom that is within inside of us? Let's go to James chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. James chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. He said, God blessed those who patiently endured testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And and, and we talked about the love a last, little bit last week. And verse 13, it said, And remember, when you have been, when you are being tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. God has never tempted you to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes when our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it, it gives birth to death. Again, we're seeing the writer James here, the half-brother of Jesus, beginning to even speak the very same thing about that these desire gives birth to sinful actions. These desires, these evil thoughts. So we got to do what? We got to do what Peter has said. He said, you got to bring them into captivity like that they are a prisoner of war. And you treat them such because when someone's a prisoner of war, then that means they are your what? Your enemy. These thoughts are opposite of who God has said that you are. God, God's timing uh, for us is just in impeccable the origin of sin is our desire to choose what is best for us 
apart from what God says. We need to understand that this, is, that this list is not limited to just these evil thoughts, murder, adultery, or sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander, but they are the root or the foundation or the key of all sin that exalts itself against God. We could sit here and just cherry pick all day long. We could cherry pick all day long and, and begin to list these things that, that was so much more than just murder. It's so much more than idolatry. It's so much more than this and that. But Jesus, he was consistent with that it's the evil thought. It's the, the very thing that exalted itself against who I am and who I have established myself to be, to be the kingdom that is within us. So God is trying to do what? God is protecting his what? His investment. God is protecting his investment because he paid such a high ransom, did he not? The very ransom that nobody else could pay for. So uh, in verse 20, Jesus sums up his correction with this assurance that it's not the following of traditions or the rituals that are taught by man has caused us to be defiled, but it's about what we allow in our spirit. That's the very thing that defiles us because like we spoke about, they were thinking physical, but God is thinking so much deeper than that. You see, and we've even heard in the scriptures that, that God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, then what does that mean? That means we need to get on the same page with God. And are we going to do it by sitting in front of the TV all the time? Are we going to be doing it by sitting around a bunch of people that's not like-minded, that's wanting to build the kingdom, that's wanting to grow in the Lord? It's never going to be that way. Our mindset has got to be to mature in Christ, to bring down these things that exalt itself. So now I want to go, I want to go back to this, this correction because now we, we placed emphasis on the continuation of what Jesus was teaching on here, right? About the evil thoughts. So, so now let us get to, to the, I would say, the minor part of, of this teaching, but yet it's still important. So let's, let's read in Matthew 15, now we're reading verses 12 through 16. It said, Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So just ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one person guides, if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Verse 15, then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us this parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And Jesus just, can we just really just imagine that Jesus looked at him and was like, don't you understand yet? I mean, don't, don't you understand this? So, so as we go back to a, a few verses that I had skipped due to the urgency of the message that Jesus wanted to proclaim to them, you know, now, now this could be so easy to overlook, but the reality of being in Scripture places the emphasis that we have something that we need to be learning from this. Something that we need to be learning from this because, because Jesus offended them, right? He offended the Pharisees. And even to the point where He just 
offended Peter. So now Peter's offended because all he was doing was just wanting an explanation of, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? So, so when we begin to look back at John chapter 8, you know, Jesus was yet again bringing correction to the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And, and here's where, and you may have heard me say this already, you know, uh, Jesus was, was just talking in the reference, and, and I want to get down to what's important here, because Jesus said that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But to know the truth is to what? Is going to be to know Jesus. It's going to be the one that is true, because he said, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. There, no man comes to the Father except through me. The only way to get to the Father is to resemble the truth. So, so what happened here? The truth offended them. The truth offended them. And we can just leave it there for a little bit. We're coming to a close here real, 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 real soon. But Jesus offended the Pharisees, and He offended Peter. But what did He offend them with? He offended them with truth. And sometimes we don't want to hear truth because the truth is not specifically what we want to hear. But Jesus said that this is the only way that you're going to be free, is by knowing the truth, or if we could say it this way, accepting my words to be true. That's the only way that you're going to be free from here out. You know, in, in, in Matthew 21 and 44, Jesus was known as the rock of offense. Well, what is a rock of offense? Here's what he simply said in that. He said that the stone will cause you to stumble or it's going to crush you. So here's the reality. Offense is going to do one of two things. It's going to cause you to fall. Well, what does that mean when I fall? I've become humbled. I've become humbled before God because my posture is, is in a flat and just being flatter on my knees. So the truth is going to cause you to be humble or, or, or did he continue within that scripture? He said, or the rock will crush you. It's going to do one or two things. The reality here is what do you allow it to do? Do you allow the truth of God's word to humble you or will you allow it to crush you? Will you allow it to crush you? So, and now we can also see where Peter had chimed in with a blind mentality and a question for explanation about how food, how about how, about how eating food with unwashed hands don't defile you because that just doesn't seem to be the norm, right? Because again, we're all used to that. Hey, I gotta wash my hands before we eat. So that you know, they took the jar and and they they poured it over their hands and they'd wash their hands and they'd shake it and then they'd dry it off with a cloth, which was a part of a ritual that a man-made ritual that had been done. So so you know, and then Jesus looked at Peter and he said, man. Don't you understand yet? So, so here, I, I want to get to the part. I want to get to this part, and I want to read this part here specifically from my notes just for that reason. 
you know and he said and I um and I would imagine that even Peter was offended with the words that came out of Jesus' mouth. Don't you understand yet? Jesus had been with the disciples for some time now and had taught so much about the Beatitudes, the law, anger, divorce, taking oaths, prayer, fasting, judging others, building foundation, and had begun to speak in parables. He had brought healing to leprosy, palsy, fevers, fear, demon-possessed, crippled, the dead, the blind, the mute, and the deformed. Although they had heard Jesus speak so, with so much authority, they had never heard it to this magnitude. Jesus was bringing to light the very thing that defiled our spirit. So in closing, so much depth had been covered that we need to be cognizant of the very things that invite sin. What invites that sin? These evil thoughts. And with that in mind, don't, don't despise the correction that is able to tear down the strongholds that keep you captive to the very things of your flesh, the very desires of your flesh. So let us walk in the heart of God with knowing the only truth that can set us free is the truth that so many people have rejected. The only thing that can set us free is the very thing that so many people have rejected. It said that they, they reject the cornerstone. They, re they reject the chief cornerstone. They reject the very thing that's the foundation. And he spoke this to the Pharisees that you've rejected me. You've rejected the very thing that will cause you to stand pleasing before our Father when we reject Jesus, when we begin to reject these things, these, these things that, that uh, we, the, when we would reject the desires of our flesh, it brings us closer to God. We reject these evil thoughts. These evil thoughts begin to give birth to something that's of no, of no good. So Jesus said four times in the 24th chapter of Matthew as a warning in the last days. In the last days, and I believe with, with all intentions that, that we are in the last days. We are at the end of this age. We are at the end of the age that has been spoken about. And this time is just coming so so quickly. And it said deception is running rampant all around us due to the very fact of not knowing God's heart. God wants more. And He's teaching us and He's telling us every week about the very things that would separate us from Him. The, the very thing that causes us to be defiled. The, the, the very thing that separates us. The very thing that keeps us from maturing in Him. So we got to move forward. And it's our choice. The truth is going to come, and it's going to cause us to be offended. Excuse me. The question is, is what do you do with the offense when it comes? What do you do with it? Do you allow it? Do, do you allow it to cause you to stumble? Or, do you, or, do you, or are you going to let it crush you? It's your choice. It's your choice. God is not going to make you go anywhere that you don't want to go. It's your choice. 
and there's not but so much emphasis that I can continue just to place on that. And I'm going to read this one more sentence and I'm going to close with that. God wants to manifest Himself in a way that cannot be explained but experienced. God wants to manifest Himself in a way that cannot be explained but experienced. You want an example on that? A roller coaster ride. You ride it. It's the, it's the newest roller coaster ride out there. You ride it. And then you get back and you're trying to explain to somebody the thrill that it brought you, the way it made you feel, everything that it did to inside of you. But can you really explain that to them? What's the very next thing that you speak to them? You've got to try it for yourself. You've got to try it for yourself. Scripture says, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I can't tell you how good this food is unless you taste it for yourself. God has so much more for us, but we have become the deciding factor of how close we walk with God. James spoke about that. He said, if you draw close to me, then I will draw close to you. That means we take the first step. We take that step. We keep taking the step. And God's going to get closer with us as we get closer with Him. When He begins to see how hungry and thirsty that we are for His righteousness, for His Word, for His kingdom that is within, God makes His way towards us. He's already provided the very platform that we need to be able to be close to Him. If we go back and we look at Joshua, he said, Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous, Joshua. And all that you see here, everything that I promised Moses, I promise to you. And the very next thing that God told him to do, he said, Now go seize the land. God's promised us so much, but we must go out there and do it. We go back to the young ritual. What must I do? What must I do? There's so much that we have to play into that. God's already provided everything that we need, but it's up to us from there. It's up to us from there. Now let's just go to the Lord for, for a few moments in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, today, Lord, for the word that you have brought us. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching. We thank you, Lord, for, for your revelation, Lord, that you've spoken to each and every one of us, Lord, individually. We thank you, Lord, and because you loved us so much, Lord, that you did just that. Lord, that you have told us about the very thing that's going to cause us to be defiled, the very thing that would, that would separate us from you, or the evil thoughts, and how these evil thoughts become actions. Because, Lord, you said it's not what goes in a man's mouth, but it's what comes out. Lord, help us, Lord, as we've been to this point. So many things has manifested itself against the knowledge of who you are. So, Lord, we stand, Lord, just as we begin to cover at the very beginning of this series, Lord, Lord, that we have a repentful heart, Lord, that we're repenting. Lord, and to stay reminded, Lord, that to repent means to have a change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. Lord, we repent, Lord, that we've allowed actions, Father, Lord, to come forth 
and to cause us to be defiled. So yet, Lord, we vow, Lord, that this day, Lord, that we're no longer we're, that we're going to take we're going to take dominion, Father, Lord, over this burden. We're no longer going to allow Him to build a nest on our head, Lord, and that we're going to bring into captivity the very thing, Lord, that exalt itself against Your Word, against who You are, against Your knowledge and Your power, Lord, and we're going to cast down these imaginations. So, Lord, we just thank You, Lord, again, Lord, for Your Word today. We thank You, Lord, that Lord, that You are who You say that You are. Lord, be every bit of that in our life, Lord, as we continuously to submit to You. Lord, the writer James said this, he said, Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Lord, we understand, Lord, that we can't resist the devil unless we're submitted to You. Only then, Lord, are we operating under the anointing, under the very power and the authority, Lord, this very key, Lord, that we've been talking about for the past few weeks. We now have that key as we submit to you, that we resist the devil and he will flee. So, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, again for this opportunity, Lord, to be ministered to, Lord, by you, Lord. We come against anything, Lord, that would hinder your word from going forward, Lord, and just be in action in our lives from this moment forward. Help us, Lord, to prophesy your word continuously in our lives, over our minds and over our hearts and over our family. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you for it because we ask it all in the sweet, precious, the righteous, and the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord.